You're listening to Hello Vancouver. I'm your host, Temple Lentz. Thanks for listening. Ballots for the November election will be arriving in voters' mailboxes in just a couple of days. And the hottest race going in southwest Washington is the race to elect a new commissioner for the Port of Vancouver. Now, port races are usually pretty sleepy affairs. The Port of Vancouver race didn't become politically charged until about two years ago, and it's even more so this year. The reason is that Tesoro and Savage Oil Companies signed a lease with the port a few years ago to build the largest oil-by-rail transfer terminal in the United States. They formed a limited liability company, Vancouver Energy, and the process is now under evaluation at the state level. The Port of Vancouver Commission has only three seats. Two years ago, Washington conservation voters stepped forward to help anti-oil terminal candidate Eric LeBrant win his race against the pro-oil terminal candidate. The oil company didn't put a lot of support behind the pro-oil candidate that year. This year, however, the oil company has backed Chris Green. His opponent, Don Orange, is adamantly anti-oil terminal, and he's recently received large support from Washington conservation voters as well, just like LeBrant did. For this show, I interviewed Green and Orange separately. In this episode, we'll air the interview with Green, and in the next episode, the interview with Orange. At the time we recorded this interview, Green had received just under $250,000 in campaign donations from the oil company. Orange's donations from conservation voters hadn't yet appeared in public disclosure records. Now, as I record this intro on October 18th, Green's donations from the oil company now total $370,000, which is 87% of his total campaign funding. The Colombian newspaper has also been closely investigating this race, and their excellent reporting has recently revealed a few things. A local citizen who was volunteering with the Green campaign brought a lawsuit against Orange, alleging that he was not a resident of the district. That eventually was thrown out. Green's campaign claimed to have no part of the effort, but leaked emails have revealed that they were actually closely involved. Similarly, Green has claimed that the oil company is not an integral part of his campaign, but leaked emails have indicated that the campaign was indeed taking direction from the company that is funding 87% of his campaign. In Don Orange's campaign, in-kind contributions from Washington conservation voters just posted, and those are in the amount of $290,000 for on-the-ground help with direct voter outreach. It remains to be seen if they will also contribute in-kind media like digital ads and mailers, which was a large part of their $100,000 of support for LeBrant in 2015. It's clear that between now and November 7th, it's only going to get uglier and weirder. So here's our interview with Green. The next episode will be with Don Orange, and we'll update you in that episode with any late-breaking news since we first recorded. I'm joined now by Chris Green, candidate for the Port of Vancouver Commission. Chris, thanks for joining me. Hi, Temple. Thanks for having me. So we talked a few months ago, well before the primary, uh, just in general about the race. And now that we are coming up on the general election, wanted to circle back around. And for the for the folks who didn't hear our first interview, wanted to know if you could just tell us a little bit, a little bit about who you are and why you're running for the port. Great. Yeah, I'm really excited about running for commissioner at the port uh, for District 1, representing District 1. I've been a resident in Clark County in uh, East Vancouver for almost 20 years. 
I'm married to my wife, Janine, for almost 25 years this March, yay. And then I've got three great kids that have all grown up, or not grown up yet, but they all have attended the Evergreen School District. I'm a local business owner. I have my own insurance agency in town. I've been in the insurance industry for almost 25 years, risk management industry. Um, I've uh, uh, been very active in their community. I've run several uh, committees. I've served on several committees on, at the city, uh, as well as the East Vancouver Business Association. Been past president of that for many years. Uh, very active currently as the governmental affairs director. I also uh, ran the uh, Evergreen School District Foundation for a number of years and have been active with that group. Um, very active also with my with my church, St. Joseph's Catholic Church, uh, here in town. So, so what led you to run for Port Commission? Um, I had been. Been, uh, very interested in getting into my into political life because I want to have a larger role uh, in helping to develop family wage jobs. Uh, so I took a look at county councilor. I took a look at city um, council for a number of years. So I t- I, I found out that uh, Brian Wolf would was not going to be uh, running again. Uh, that he was going to give up his seat, and I thought that this would be an, a perfect opportunity for me to get involved in in the commission race. Um, specifically, one, I love the fact that uh, my background is towards risk management, so safety issues at the porter are very important to me, and they fit right into 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 my uh, tool bag, so to speak. Um, as well as you know, communicating with people and developing those long term relationships that are so crucial when we're looking at, at, at a, uh, an organization that really um, uh, depends on strong relationships in the community. So it that position just fits perfectly, in my opinion, with my background. So as as a manager of people, as a as a as a, a business person who knows how to you know build a business and as how and run successful businesses, I think that the tools that I have in my in my tool chest are going to be very well uh, applied at the port. So talk a little bit about uh, the role of the port commissioner. What uh, What is the job? And I ask largely because until uh, the oil terminal issue came up a couple of years ago, you know, a lot of people didn't even know we had a port in Vancouver, let alone that there's a port commission. So They uh, still don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you take a look at the statistics, over 50% of the folks out there still don't know what does a port do. Yeah. And what does a commissioner do? A commissioner really oversees and helps to guide the the CEO uh, and the organization, the port organization. Our port is a very unique port. It um, it is, uh, I think it's number four, the fourth largest port currently on the West Coast. It used to be the number one largest port on the West Coast for many, many decades. Um, in any case, um, basically what the commissioners do is we work with staff. And in, in where our port is unique is it's more of a land manager than anything else at this point. Yes, we have ships that come in and we move commodities up and down the river, um, all different types of commodities um, up and down the river. But we also have 50 tenants down at the port, and those tenants lease land from the port and lease buildings from the port. They also employ 3,200 families or uh, family wage jobs, and that in itself is where a commissioner can come in and kind of guide those relationships. And also so taking a look at the future, how does the port grow? Well, the, our port will continue to grow by us developing properties on and off port 
property. So one of my concerns um, right now in our community is we have 99.4% uh, occupancy rate for businesses that are looking to move to Vancouver or the, the district. Um, and we have an issue where we don't have enough space for them because of that 99.4% occupancy with building spaces between about 3,000 square feet up to about 25,000 square feet. So we're behind. Uh, we don't have enough space to attract or to keep those businesses coming. So we it'll impact us as, as time goes on over the next three or four years because we're not able to provide the jobs that our community needs. And just to ask a clarifying question on that, when you talk about being at, uh, at, at that occupancy rate and capacity, is that on port property or like the city of Vancouver as a whole? Or it's actually, what? it's actually Clark County. Okay. 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 And I've talked to a number of commercial real estate agents about this and that's what they're telling me. It's not just, it's a, it's a regional issue. Um, and the more that the port can take a look at opportunities on and off port to develop properties, and that's something that I would direct our staff to do. Let's take a look at perhaps the Chalachi Prairie Line. Governor Inslee just signed a bill that Linda Wilson had proposed that allows Clark County to um, uh, convert agricultural land to light industrial type, high tech type uh, land development. And we have a, a gem up the Chalachi Prairie line up to about battleground, just a little bit south of battleground. It will take a lot of communication with a lot of entities, Clark County, city of Vancouver, city of battleground, perhaps even the Ridgefield uh, port. Um, and then also local land developers, because I think it's important that we partner with them, not compete with them. Um, and I've talked to so many people, Temple, over the last, since last time we talked, this is an exciting opportunity. People are really, they want to hear more. They want to talk about it more and, and take a look at, at, at that opportunity, because we can perhaps build it out over a five or six year period and bring three or 4,000 family wage jobs, not to mention, um, you know, our labor force. Um, the unions, for example, they they want to be a part of this community and have those family wage jobs available for their members. One of the, the new things that the port has taken on in the last couple of years is the redevelopment of Terminal 1, which for folks who don't know what that is, is down essentially like where the old red line at the key uh, was, right. right there by the foot of the I-5 bridge. Mm -hmm. uh, what are What's your take on the development happening down there? I'm really, really excited about the development. Um, you know, the city, BNSF, and the port have spent $225 million to improve the rail line and move it away from the waterfront so there's more space to, to develop down at Terminal 1 and the city's waterfront. The projects are going to be they're going to be a destination. People are going to want to come to Vancouver just to see the, what's going on down at the waterfront. We have Warehouse 23 right now, and over time that will be converted and rebuilt uh, to a beautiful structure. It's going to be a marketplace, uh, a wonderful place to bring your family, you know, guests that are coming in from out of town. Uh, the port has already signed a contract with Festa to build a, 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 a beautiful three-plus star hotel, and it's going to include all the parking for that hotel. Um, with all the excitement and all the beautiful things that are coming to Terminal 1, my concern is we, don't, we won't have enough parking. Um, so I propose that we take a look at building two large parking structures on the north side and south side of that rail berm. Not only does it create a safety buffer 
but it also provides a destination or a parking for folks that want to come to our destination. You want to make people mad? Build a beautiful destination with no parking. <laughs> it's a good way to, to hurt the local economy if we don't have enough parking. And downtown, I hear this a lot. There's an issue with a lack of parking, especially during times, especially during summer when we have a ton of events going on. So that is something that I think the port needs to take a look at is as we develop Terminal 1. And, you know, let's have those conversations with the city. Um, my understanding is we aren't having those conversations now. And that's, that's again, that's in my tool chest. Let's talk to people. Let's get, let's get the communication going because parking will become an issue long term if it isn't faced now. I mean, I look at it this way. I was, before I got into the risk management business, I was in retail. And I can tell you, if I was in retail today and I was looking at locating my business, my new business down at terminal and I knew that there was only going to be 40% parking available to anybody I would hesitate because you know if you build it and you don't provide that parking people aren't going to come down and your chances of success are going to be impacted and I would hate to see that happen because it's going to be a beautiful project it really is I want to ask you about something that you've mentioned a couple of times you say that you're in the risk management business Mm -hmm. and uh so uh, with your with your insurance agency, what kind of insurance is it that you sell, and how does that relate to the port? Well, I, I um, work with individuals. I work with businesses to make sure that the when, uh, risk management is 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 a very uh, interesting topic, because if somebody hurts somebody or somebody has an accident. Um, or they get sued. Um, the risk management part is making sure that they have enough liability coverage. Okay, so one of the things that I do when I go into, for example, uh, a customer that owns a grocery store, I'll go in and inspect the store and I'll see what kind of tripping hazards they have or what kind of hazards they have as far as fire exposure. So um, I, I look at uh, air vents to see if there's dust, you know, and how well the, those air vents are. are maintained. I go through the kitchen making sure that, you know, the kitchen's one clean <laughs> and and that there's no fire hazards, that they're inspecting their their fire extinguishers and things of that nature. So it's a matter of making sure that they're doing the things that they need to do to keep the building and the employees and the customers safe. So uh, I do want to talk about the oil terminal, uh, mm-hmm. just because that is really the divisive issue around this race and what has uh, popped it into the forefront for uh, races this year uh, locally. So Tesoro Savage, operating as the LLC Vancouver Energy, uh, is in the process of uh, trying to get past uh, the largest oil by rail transfer terminal um, in the country, I believe. Uh, and it's not the largest terminal, but it is the rail to ship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, it has been very divisive, and uh, it does appear to be that this race is tur- like the the race two years ago for the port. Uh, the race is turning out to be about this. So, where do you stand on the oil terminal? Well, the oil terminal is is an issue. Um, it's you know it's um, a part of our community that we all have to have a a, a discussion around. So. Um, our state, the state of Washington, the legislature has enacted uh, rules uh, of engagement, so to speak. Uh, the FSEC is that uh, body that was mandated by the legislature back in 1970, um, that they are the group that determines how safe a project can be. 
or would be for a community. So they're charged with making sure that the uh, environmental and socioeconomic impacts are acceptable. And they're the experts. They have scientists. They have engineers. They, they listen to the public. They listen to special interest groups, environmentalist groups, and they do their homework to make sure that this is either safe and or not safe. Obviously, if it's safe, I think we should move forward with the economic benefits of having the project completed. If they come back and they say it's not safe, then we need to look at other opportunities and, and move away from that terminal. I love, like I said, I love our community, I love our environment, and I want to do everything I can to protect it. I want our businesses and our families to live in a majestic, pristine area of the country like it is today. Um, Vancouver's been a train town for hundreds of years. We're always going to have these trains coming through. There's nothing that we can do. No commissioner can stop the trains. <laughs> um, we're, we have an opportunity to take a look at the project through FSEC's eyes. If they approve it and the governor approves it, they're the experts. They're the ones that are saying it's safe. Then we should do it. If they come back and they say no, then we need to not do it. Um, and that's my stance. And I've already started working and talking with the other um, uh, businesses down at the port that can take advantage of Terminal 5's loop track that the, the, the port has already invested and built. So it's 100, Terminal 5 is 110 acres, right? Um, if, uh, if the oil terminal is built, it'll take up 44 acres. So there's another, um, you know, 70 so acres available. And I know the port is already in communication with a couple of different companies that are going to, you know, take up that, you know, that extra space. So it's, it's, uh, it's really important that we keep our eyes on the future of the port. It's not one issue. It's many issues that are going on down at the port. So my, again, my stance is let's let the process play out. That's, that's what we all agree to as a community, as a state. The state put that mechanism in place many years ago, and it works. So we just need to make sure that process is completed. Whether it's good, a good result or a bad result, you know, depending upon how you look at it, because I know it is a divisive uh, a question, but we have to let that process play out because that's the fair thing to do. If we don't and we cut it short, like my opponent does not want that process to finish out. He wants to kill the project. What message does that send to any other industry or company that wants to move to our area it sends a terrible message. It's well, I, want, I actually want to push back on that a little because I think it sends the message that if it's a if it's a fossil fuel project, that that it's a negative because that is FSEC is specifically an energy siting, uh, yeah, energy they, facility they work siting. With, they work with solar, wind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They work with any energy group. Um, not it's not just fossil fuels. Right, but it is it is energy, and so we do have the state process, and it is underway because the port did sign yeah. that lease. Mm -hmm. So uh, a question that I have is, is if say that it doesn't go through, say FSEC doesn't doesn't approve it, or the restrictions and changes they would want the energy company to make uh, are so great that they decide it isn't worth the expense. Mm -hmm. um, would you be then going out and would you look for another uh, oil or coal uh, project to bring to Vancouver? That would be something that our staff would, would do. Um, would I direct them to do that? Probably not. Um, I would look for other companies and other opportunities. Uh, 
we have this situation now, though, that we we need to deal with, and that's what they're. The chances are, you know, this could all be a moot point anyway. Um, we don't know what the governor is going to do. We don't know what FSEC is going to do. And there's a good chance that they can make their decision before the end of the year. We just don't know. Nobody knows. Um, but we have to have that backup plan. We have to know if it doesn't come in, what are we going to do? Who are we going to talk to? And like I said, I've already started talking to the other tenants that are down there that are very interested in that loop track because that loop track um, has so much versatility and there's an opportunity there to really see additional businesses. Like, like I told you, there's already two companies that are, that the port is in conversation with about utilizing, um, a good portion of that loop track already. And that's, that's great because that's going to impact our ability to operate that port if more efficiently, obviously profitably and allow us to do uh, additional investments in the years to come. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about ca campaign finance. Uh, the port commission race is a really interesting one in the state of Washington because we have, uh, campaign finance restrictions and 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 donation limits on nearly every race in the state there and they vary depending on what the race is but uh, the port commission is one that doesn't have any uh, any restrictions on it and while that has never really been an issue in the past oh, uh, we started to has. see it we started to see it a couple of years ago yeah. um, and a lot of big donations came in and we're seeing it this year so uh, it is. It it has come out that uh, Tesoro Savage and Vancouver Energy have donated. At this point, the last I saw was a total of two hundred and thirty thousand dollars to mm -hmm. your campaign. Correct. And I believe I was looking at the public disclosure records, and I believe your campaign total is in the oh gosh, like two sixty, two seventy, somewhere That's like close. that. Yeah. Um. So that is a large. <laughs> that is, is a large chunk of your fundraising. That's a great question. Thanks for asking. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of all my supporters, and I know my, uh, many of them are going to give again, um, and that's great. Uh, obviously, with the information that um, is not out there, uh, with over 50% of the population not knowing what's going on at the port, um, I need to spend money to get my word out. I've been misrepresented a bit in the media, and, and I'm going to change that. How have you been misre misrepresented? Obviously, um, people have, in the media have said that I'm for the terminal. I'm not campaigning for the terminal. Never have. I have always been campaigning for the process to be completed. That doesn't mean I disagree with the terminal as long as it's done safely. In fact, my first statement was, if they can do it safely, then we should do it. But if they can't do it safely, we shouldn't do it. And that getting that message out about, the, you know, my message, it, it's, it's very expensive. As you know, in the last race, the, their $100,000 in-kind donation was made unbeknownst to anybody um, and we just felt that you know we knew we were going to have monies come into our campaign too we wanted to be transparent we wanted to have that money out out front not at the tail end where we didn't have to disclose after the the cutoff dates um, we just felt that that I just felt that I needed to have that transparency I wanted people to see and know that that was out so there. did you approach the oil company for that money then is that what you're saying did I approach them? Well, yeah, I approached everybody. Every every person, every company that has donated to my campaign, yes, I went out and I asked for money. 
um, that's what um, that's what a candidate's right. supposed to do. So how when you say you need you need uh, that money uh, to get your word out, how are you going to be spending those funds? Because at present, it doesn't look like you've spent very much. Well, I'll be happy to answer any strategy and tactic questions after the race. I'm not going to talk about um, how we're going to spend money or anything of that nature at this time, keeping it under wraps. Okay. It does seem that it's a little bit of a distinction without a difference to say that you're, you're, you're not for the oil terminal when you've received... I, I didn't say that. I said I'm not campaigning for the oil terminal. I am campaigning for the process to be completed. Okay. I. <laughs> it still seems like a distinction without a difference to me. Mm -hmm. And when a single donor makes up 80-some percent of your total fundraising, uh, it does begin to look like they uh, have a very vested interest in, uh, in, in you and your winning, which... Is above, that is not illegal. That's above board. That is completely transparent. transparent. And but it we, also does appear very transparent that this is a race that the oil companies um, really want you to win. Well, of course they want me to win. Mm -hmm. uh, they want to build a terminal down at the port. But I'll tell you right now, Temple, the only thing that um, the, uh, Tesoro, a 35-year company in our, in our area, the only thing we have in common is we want the process to be completed. They have no control over the outcome of that, of that process. The governor says no. Mm -hmm. The governor says no. Uh, and that's, that's, out of my ball, that's out of my purview. I can't make the governor say yes or no. FSEC has to say yes or no. I can't make them do that. None of us can. And the, they can't either. But they want somebody in there that's going to allow the process to complete. That's the bottom line. And that's, that's where I stand. So, you know, Tesoro has been in this community for over 35 years. They have literally um, provided over 1,000 family wage jobs. They have never had an accident down at the port. It doesn't stink. It doesn't smell. Uh, they run a very clean operation. They've literally had tens of millions of dollars of economic, economic benefit in our community. They are a local company, a local business, and they want to see our community prosper and grow. They live here. They have, their kids go to our schools. They operate businesses here. I mean, th that's what we're all about. We're all, we should all be working together to, to, to celebrate our community. And protected as well they don't they don't you know they fish on the i know employees of theirs fish on the river they don't want to see anything happen to this river the gorge they don't want to have any any negative safety issues you know happen where people get hurt nobody wants that mm -hmm. and i i applaud the fact that they are so vocal on this particular race with the amount of money that they've given us to help us get the word out about what it is the port is all about our port is the lar can be, and I hope it will be, the largest economic engine on the West Coast. What does that mean for all of us? It means, it means a better way of life. That's what it does. It helps us to create more family wage jobs, and that's what it's all about. It's not just this one issue. There are so many things that could come out of this you know, for decades to come. And by building and developing those relationships, 
you know, after this race is over, uh, I'll be working very hard to bring the community back together because we need to. So <laughs> I could expound on this forever. <laughs> well, Chris, if we're coming to the end of our time, but if folks want to find out more about your race or your positions, uh, where can they go? What's your website? My website is uh, www.goforgreen.com, and that's F O R for four and green has an E on the end. So, um, I would like to take a minute to, or a second or two just to thank, thank my sponsors. Um, my, the folks that have endorsed me. All right. Well, Chris Green, thank you so much for taking some time. Anytime Temple, you know, I love coming out and talking with you. And that's our show. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Temple Lentz, and this has been Hello Vancouver. To find out more about Hello Vancouver, visit our website, hellovancouver.us, and be sure to check out our live stage shows in Vancouver, Washington, every other month. Hello Vancouver is produced by High Five Media. Many thanks to KXRW sponsor Adco Printing and Graphics. Owner Bill Dickey and his friendly staff have been serving the Vancouver community since 1995. They offer all the services you'd expect from a commercial printing and sign shop combined with the personal attention to detail and the integrity of a local neighbor vendor. After all, great printing is strategy with creativity. Adco Printing and Graphics, located at 353 Grand Boulevard in Vancouver. Find out more at adco1.com, that's A-D-C-O, the number one, dot com.